G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it's great to have you listening here today. My name is Lockie. I'm the host of this experience. And really, my job is to help guide those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Today, I sit down with Chris Podlick and we talk through a new series called The Bible for Grownups. In this episode, we discuss the biggest obstacles we see people have with the Bible. We chat about personally if we struggle with parts of the Bible, and we finish off by talking about how trustworthy the Bible really is. My apologies, my mic was not working for this recording, um, but I hope despite that you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Beyond the Message podcast. Well, Chris, happy birthday. It's not your birthday. Um... But it is beyond church's birthday today as we're recording. It is. It is. That's pretty exciting. Six years. Six years. Oh, it's, I don't know how to feel about that. Like, six years. That's a decent crack. That's a, that's a good effort. Um, we're, in, we're in grade one. We're in grade one. Is that? Yeah, sure. About to start grade two, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I kind of don't know with prep. I lost count. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not cool enough now to know. That's it. But I see you having a snack. You're enjoying one of Beyond's party bags from our incredible in-person services over the weekend yeah i guess services Um, team shout out to them i actually didn't get to i actually didn't get to have my party bag on the night someone was like or in the morning someone was like shoving them into my hands and one of them got into my bag um which is because now it's um, I was going to say like nutrition for this podcast, but that's, I like let's be honest, skills and photos are not nutritional. Plus a Milky Way and a Chup Chup. That's, uh, you know, not incredibly great for you, but look, it'll, it'll do. Or is it the best for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but six years, Chris, that's a, a long, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a long time, but it's a decent amount of time, like to be going at something, um, knowing that there's been a lot of changes since. Um, beyond started six years ago but just seeing all the good that god's been up to um and just reflecting over that over the last couple of days has been a lot of fun yeah it's been really cool just to think about like yeah where we started and what we thought we knew and and where god's led us over the last six years it's kind of it's kind of crazy um actually and i think for me the most exciting part is um it, it it always is like we celebrated last night like stories like marnie's like when when people you know, it's not it's not like, oh, how many connect groups we have or how many services we have or how our online or youth or anything is doing. It's always about people. It's people's stories that are, mm. that always excite me. And um, Marnie's was just a fantastic story to be able to share with people. Um, yeah. But there's heaps of stories like that that have kind of led up to these six years and been part of the six years. Um, and so, yeah, I love thinking about the stories at birthdays. Yeah, and a, a big shout out to... Uh, everyone who's been there for the journey, who's been at any point leading a team or um, being a part of a team or just attending. Maybe this is the first or second time you've listened to the podcast and thank you. You're part of the, the Beyond Story. And we're so stoked that we can be reaching people who don't know Jesus, who don't necessarily have a great experience with the church or who don't even have uh, an experience with the church. So we are, we are so you could be with us today but also just thank you for for jumping in for whatever part of the journey you've been here for yep yep echo that echo that echo that well chris we're going to talk about the bible and i'm assuming that this episode is going to get a few more clicks every time we talk about the bible it's just like people want to know they were just like people have people have so many issues with the bible right yeah Um, it's funny yeah but i love talking about this stuff i'm excited for this series and these these episodes 
yeah, my question mm. uh, and my biggest hang up with what you spoke about uh, at our Sunday experience. Mm. So you were talking about the gospel of Luke yeah. and how he wrote that account. Luke mm. wrote the account and he was a doctor. Yep. How has anything that a doctor's written survived history? <laughs> Have you seen a doctor's handwriting? <laughs> like, man, the, the chemist, that, is... that must have been a chemist on the other end translating it because they that seem is... to be able to translate whatever scribbles they've got on that piece of paper. So anyway, that's just... Lucky, uh... that is fantastic. How your mind works always amuses me. It's hilarious. That is hilarious. I was like, where is he going with this? That was great. I love that. Yeah. I was thinking about it all last night during the service. So I, was like, I, I can't down. believe that's I the one thing you grabbed onto. Oh, bro. I didn't hear a thing after that. I was just focused on telling this joke on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my. That's so great. Uh, well, let's get cracking. We've got four questions um, that have kind of we've, we've made from our full Monday. And uh, I want to start by just talking about some of the obstacles. We've kind of already gone there a little mm. bit. Um, but beyond church, we, we celebrated six years and we've been very clear from the start that it exists for unchurched people. Now, you would have had um, six plus years of experience dealing directly with those kind of people. What are the biggest obstacles, Chris, that you've seen that unchurched people have with the Bible? Oh, look, I just think it's honestly the Bible in general. Um, the, the Bible in general, unchurched people seem to have um, a problem with and I think like and and this is probably like this is my gut but this is also kind of backed up by some of the evidence you know McCrindle have did a big um, survey a couple of years ago called faith and belief in Australia um, but it's the reliability and the validity of the bible is seems to be 75 percent of people who aren't um, who wouldn't consider themselves Christian sort of say that is a big blocker so McCrindle corner called these things blockers um, or obstacles. Seventy-five percent of people said the reliability and the validity of the Bible is a is a big thing, and um, I would say I've probably seen that to be true, definitely as well. I think also as well, and and people people are definitely going to disagree with me. Christians will probably get a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe um, I don't think anyone at Beyond will, but I think also like the way in which. Um, Christians talk about the Bible is a blocker. Mm. And I would say we probably most Christians have a negative experience of someone using a Bible verse either directly to them or out of context or at them in a way. Like I, I, I could agree with that. Yeah. And, and I just think like, I think there's some weird things Christians do with the Bible to each other, but then I think that kind of spills over into the way in which we talk about the Bible. So when people talk about like, Oh, it's the word of God and it's, and, and I agree with that. But I think for an unchurched person hearing that, like they're not even sure if God exists. And now all of a sudden you're saying there's this document that's like the word of God. Like they have no idea that there was a guy called Luke who was a doctor who wrote one of the documents. And so I think like language and the way we talk about these things are just really helpful for someone to know, hey, Jesus had a best mate. His name was John and John wrote his experiences down. It has a completely different connotation to this is the holy word of God delivered to us by the apostle John. Um, <laughs> both those statements are true. Both those statements mean the exact same thing, um, but it's just the language that's being used to communicate it. And so I think sometimes the language is mystifying and um, kind of makes someone believe, oh man, I have to believe the entire Bible before I believe um, and or before I follow Jesus. We got there in the end with that sentence. <laughs> we did. I mean, I got a follow up for that. Mm. Um, 
do I have to believe like a hundred percent every teaching, every word written in the Bible to call myself a Christian? Um, and I guess further to that, are there parts of the Bible that you as a leader in the church uh, don't believe in or struggle with? That's yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Well, let me start with the easier of the two, which is um, do I have to believe in the Bible to call myself a Christian? Um, the answer to that is, I think it probably depends on what, what you mean, believe in the Bible. Um, like we spoke about last night for 400 years um, in the early, in the first four centuries, there were, there was no Bible, but there were thousands and thousands of Christians. And so they didn't have a, a Bible to believe in um, to call themselves a Christian yet. They definitely were followers of Jesus. And I think this is kind of the misconception sometimes that people have is that, we think that the Bible kind of brought about Christianity, but, but that's not the case at all. In fact, then we like the, an event brought about the church that eventually then produced the Bible. And so the Bible is a byproduct of this event. And so what I would say is um, if you believe that someone can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, then I'm just going to go with whatever that person says. Okay, and if the event of the resurrection happened, then what I I would like to do is I want to take my cue from Jesus, and Jesus seemed to hold the Old Testament in really high regard. Jesus seemed to um, have a certain view of things, and so I just kind of put myself. Well, I'm like, well, if this guy can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with whatever he says. Like, and so that's that's kind of I would say no. You you have to believe in Jesus um, if you want to call yourself a Christian. Follow Jesus put your faith in Jesus to call yourself a Christian. But then as you continue to follow Jesus more and more and more, um, you kind of want to align your, the, the way you think about things with the way that Jesus thinks about things. So <clears throat> I think, um, I think that's probably a good way to answer the first part of that question. Was that helpful? Yeah, that's super good. Yep. Um, and then the second part of that question, you know, are there parts of the Bible that, that I struggle with? Um, I would say there's been different, parts at different stages in my life you know different things that I probably wrestle with and I just struggle to make sense of at times I know probably like a lot of people you know Genesis you know Genesis 1 to 3 like creation and and how do I reconcile that with um, science and all that that was a definitely um, a lot of questions for me during high school and maybe just out of high school um, but then as I as I got older and and as I went to um, university and studied that sort of stuff, definitely like the the historical reliability of the New Testament, um, particularly the Gospels, was kind of a challenge for me as I was kind of like, oh, you know, like what class classifies as something historical, what kind of makes something like a big deal. And I remember like I called my my wife, Emma. Well, she was my wife at the time. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time when I was living overseas and I called her and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can buy this stuff. Like I was really kind of wrestling through this. Um, yeah, stuff. And um, she was wise in the moment, but less than helpful. She was just like, you'll figure it out. Like, she's <laughs> like, you'll just, um, she just knew that I was too stubborn to like stop investigating and until I had it nailed down. And so I just yeah. felt like, so yeah, honestly, that, that is something that I've probably, um, yeah, struggled with, um, at a point. I mean, I, I feel com very comfortable with it now. Uh, but I think whenever I struggle with it, I kind of just research it and research it into the, into the ground until I feel like I have a grasp on whatever it is that's kind of bugging me. Yeah, I think I would say to that, like, I, I think it's good to admit, like, even there's someone who does leadership stuff in the church, like, I don't know all the Bible, like, if <laughs> I would be um, foolish to say that 
I am like a hundred percent on board with everything because I haven't read it all. Like I haven't, uh, you know, I can't like tell you every single story. Sometimes I'm in Christian circles and they say, Oh, I remember these people from the old Testament. I'm like, ah, not sure. Like, yeah, uh, I think we all have those moments where we're not quite sure exactly what everyone's talking about. We're kind of not on. Um, but even like, even as I read some stories this morning, Chris, you mentioned mm-hmm. a few kind of like classic stories, yep. like Samson and Delilah. And I was like, I'm just going to read that account. Yep. And I go like, I look at it and like, I think Samson kills like a thousand people in one hit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I seem to have forgotten about that detail. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's with a jawbone, wasn't it? With a donkey's jawbone. Donkey's uh, jawbone. And, yeah, I was going, and you know, I'm like, this tonight or you know this afternoon i'm still processing what i read this morning like it's not as if i've just read the bible and gone mm. legit love it good on you samson wish i was there to see it i'm just like okay there's a dude that killed a thousand people with a jawbone like I, i've just got to wrestle and sit with that and i think that's the kind of like ongoing struggle is that there's always new stuff to find in the bible whether you've read it before and you might read it again um but sometimes there's brand new stuff you see and you're just like oh i, I don't know I don't know if that's, you know, but you go on your own personal journey. I think that's more, um, that's kind of my journey with the Bible is that it's, it's, it's complex. It's, um, it's deep. You've got to really sit with it and read through it and understand it, not just kind of take it at face value. 100% couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great insight that you sort of said there, like you've got to kind of like wrestle with it yourself. Um, I think it's really, really easy to kind of ask the opinion, oh, what does someone else think? And, and that's like a good starting point. But at some point in time, you've got to read enough and you've got to learn enough to kind of go, actually, this is kind of my, what I've formulated and how I view this particular passage. Not because I heard someone on you know, YouTube or something say it, but because I've researched it and thought about it a lot. And this is the considered um, conclusion I've come to. Yeah, that's so good. I'm going to jump back to a comment you made about the sources of the Bible. Um, I hope you've semi-resolved that in your own soul, Chris. Uh, I would believe that's true considering you've led a local church for six years. Yeah. Um, but how can we be sure that those gospel accounts are true? And maybe I mean, what was the journey like for you in actually kind of um, getting some sort of clarity or peace uh, with that wrestle for yourself? So um, it's a great question. I, the, the point in time in my life when I was kind of like wrestling with this is I was doing, um, I was doing like a, a thesis undergraduate thesis and i wanted to like um do it in like i kind of wanted to tackle what i felt was the biggest topic in christianity which is the resurrection of jesus and so for me um the way i approached the topic i was like well if the bible claims it then the documents in the bible have to be up to rigorous historical investigation to be able to prove their validity and they need to be um the same approach you know that you would apply with other historical documents needs to be applied to the documents of the new Testament. And if they come out, then we might have to see what those conclusions are. And so, yeah, that challenge for me was while I was, you know, wrestling through and and working through um, that, that process for me. Can I pause for a second there? Chris? Mm. I think it's really cool to just acknowledge like the stage of life that you were in when that was happening. Um, you were saying you're doing an undergraduate thesis so i assume like the end of your kind of three-year theological degree four yeah four year so you're probably at what fourth year of that degree when you're having these thoughts yeah yeah that's cool i just feel there might be someone that's like committed their self to like following jesus and they're having a doubt about something to do with faith and it's kind of like oh 
am I allowed to doubt? Uh, I think it's just good to highlight the fact that like, you know, four years into not only your Christian journey, but your like uni level study into Christianity and to the church and to Jesus, you're also having a doubt at that point. I think it's just like, it's, I, I'm just more so trying to point out that like doubt yeah. and faith can kind of coexist um, and you can have questions. You don't have to like reject your faith in order to just say, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Yeah. So faith is not the absence of doubts, but one of the things that kind of really helped me and, and might be helpful for people is that, sorry, can you hear those dogs snoring? Uh, but I did see them at Beyond a Home. I enjoyed the dogs. Okay. <laughs> I was just, just, just making sure because they are snoring loud. I'm like, I hope you, you can't hear them. That's okay. I'll, I'll retake that. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. So faith is not the absence of doubts, but one of the things that I don't know was really helpful for me um, is I kind of, so when I was doing this historical stuff, I was kind of asking like, well, what are the parameters for something to be kind of classified as historical? So, so how does, how does something kind of, someone kind of go, ah, this is, this is valid and this is invalid. And so there's sort of five things for five principles that um, historians kind of sort of say, if it kind of hits around these five things or four of these five things, we can kind of know with a lot of historical certainty that this was happening. Um, the first one is multiple independent sources support historical claims. And when it comes to Jesus, we've got lots and lots of independent sources. So we've got Luke, who was a doctor. We've got John, his best friend. Um, we've got Peter through the words of Mark. So all these people are independent sources. We've got Paul later um, who talks about it. We've got Matthew as well, who talks about it. We've got documents from James's, um, from Jesus's brother, James, that talk about. So there's a lot of independent sources that we have about the life of Jesus, um, which is actually a ton compared to other um, historical figures when you think about it. Um, the second principle is um, attestation by enemies support historical claims. So effectively, that means like if someone wasn't on your side and they made a claim about you, they have no nothing to gain by making that claim about you pretty much. And so when you look at history, like Paul is considered an enemy of Jesus. And before, <clears throat> before um, he became a Christian, um, Paul was still talking about Jesus, which is kind of like validates the fact like, oh, he existed. Like, why was there this guy called Saul who was trying to eradicate the Jesus movement if, if something didn't happen? Um, that's And so he's an enemy sort of saying like, I'm not for this. I'm trying to eradicate it. Even like Nero, you, you um, and that Nero happens a little bit later in history, but Nero was against the Christians and Nero kind of speaks about it. Um, there's Jewish historians that definitely... Um, they, they would face some issues if a Messiah was real and Jesus was the Messiah um, and they'd kind of missed it. But there's Jewish historians that talk about Jesus and the fact that people believed he was raised from the dead. So these are people who not in favor. Um, so that's, that's the second one. Um, the third one is embarrassing admissions support historical claims. So I don't, I don't know if you remember Lockie, like <clears throat> when I was in high school, the Da Vinci code came out and it was kind of like a big deal. Yeah, see, I was a bit younger, Chris. Yeah, see, the the Da Vinci Code came out and everyone was kind of like, oh my goodness, like, because the Da Vinci Code made references to like the Gospel of Thomas and um, Barnabas and just talk, and people were kind of like losing their minds. Like, oh my goodness, like Christians have hidden these secret Gospels. And it's like, no, um, Christians have known about these documents and historians have known about these documents for centuries. Uh, the problem is they don't measure up to any of the claims. The second thing is that you can tell they're manufactured 
because they support a certain narrative. And so how that kind of fits into the embarrassing admissions is if you're trying to tell a story that you want people 100% to believe and buy into, you kind of cut out all the parts that like don't validate the story you want to tell. So for example, um, women finding Jesus's body at the tomb. If you were trying to convince a first century audience to believe your story, you don't put women in it because women weren't considered, um, they weren't considered as reliable witnesses. Women couldn't be um, give evidence in a court of law. And so you don't put them as the first people. Second thing you wouldn't do is you wouldn't like write in the documents about like, oh, we didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And we were scared and we were constantly afraid and we weren't sure. And we kind of gave up belief. Like if you're trying to write this narrative of like, hey, join our world movement as we move this thing forward, (laughs) you paint yourself as like, we never doubted him and we always believed him and we knew it from the start. Um, So that kind of just tells historians like that seems that they might be telling the truth if there's all these embarrassing parts of their story. Right, like Peter would have included the fact that he denied Jesus in his own gospel, which was the gospel of Mark. True, true. Peter probably wouldn't write that about yourself. Yeah, Peter would have just been like, oh, no, I definitely didn't deny him. Um, And then the fourth one is um, eyewitness testimony. So if we can get eyewitnesses and we can kind of validate that um, in some way, shape or form that that we have... um, Evidence from people who saw the event with their own eyes, that's that's a big one. And then the fifth one is that if you can't get eyewitnesses, early documents support historical claims. And most people might not know this or be aware of this, but in history, early a lot of early people um, or a lot of documents we have on people in history don't come till two or 300 years after they lived. And so early, the documents we have of the New Testament and we're going to look at this in part two. Some of some of them come from within three years of the life of Jesus. Some of them are within twenty to thirty years of the life of Jesus, um, or, or of his death and his resurrection. And when you think of other big, um, famous people in history, some of the earliest sources we have of them are two hundred to three hundred years after they lived. So, for me, that was kind of like when you see this mountain of evidence, and when you see that the 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 gospels or the the biographies. And, um, and also other documents in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians is particularly, kind of fit all these five principles. For me, I was just like, well, if the event, if the resurrection happened, then nothing else matters. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. Well, let's get super practical. Mm. That was really helpful. I'm sure that a lot of people got a lot of value out of those five things. But let's get practical. Um, mm. You've given us the challenge of reading a gospel this week. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited. We're going to go librarian mode and give okay. everyone our recommendation as cool. to what gospel they should read. Uh, Beyond a Home, uh, you didn't quite give as much. You kind of just said read gospel, but at our mm-hmm. AM and PM experience, you kind of broke it down a little bit more into each background of the, um, you know, of each gospel. But Chris, mm. what, what gospel would you recommend someone reading this week? Yeah, good one. Well, if you're not a reader, read Mark. Um because I know some people might be listening to the podcast because they're not readers. Um, but personally, <laughs> to the book version of this podcast, come yes, soon. which will be coming out. Um, <laughs> uh, Lockie's memoirs. Yeah. Um, the yeah, the one I I just personally I really I really like. They're they're all cool, but my personal favorite is John. I just um, mainly because my one of my favorite verses or my favorite verse in the Bible is in John. But I just really like. John's relational language and the way that he talks about Jesus and John kind of paints 
a really unique and interesting um, light on Jesus. And so I just kind of, I kind of like John. If I was going to say, hey, start somewhere, start with John. There you go. My recommendation is Mark, as you mentioned, for those who don't like reading, um, or I mean, you can listen to it, right, on our on our U version no Bible. Ex- there was a no excuses for Monday. There were. Um, so I, I really like that. But okay. for me, the Gospel of Mark, um, I'm, I'm going to read it this week as well. And I like it because I'm the kind of guy that it was it was created for. Um, from my understanding, Peter, it was Peter's account and Mark wrote it. But it was kind of like told start to finish, Peter would like go to a pub of people who didn't know anything about religion or faith and would kind of like share the story of Jesus front to, front to back. And it was like a a really like you didn't have to have any understanding and you could just hear this hear this story and and be like at the end okay i know everything about jesus like this is this is it this is the story no crazy like technical language no not a lot of like looking back at history and being like this is the fulfillment of this you know thing it's it's none of that it's pretty straight language and that's what connects with me so that's that's my recommendation as well it is mark is like action-packed if you like action from start to finish mark is your place to go i couldn't agree more lock yeah so there you go i'm excited to to hear what people read this week um i'm sure we'll get a good everyone you know we'll get someone reading everything um and all the all the different gospels being read so that's super exciting chris that's all that's all for part one of the the bible for grown-ups um i'm super excited for part two and i can't wait to see what's in store over this series Mate, I'm I'm excited and I can't wait to see you next week. Cool. We'll see you then.